Okay, hey, what's up? This is Evan and Michael, and we Jared. have another guest. You have you have to wait until I introduce you, then you say your name. Yes. Again, Evan, Michael, and we have a new guest with us whose name is Jared. I didn't like how that went. Let's do it. Yes, yeah, it's good. All right, so uh, new website up. No new news. Pretty much uh, the only thing new is we have sent out a request to a local game store, Yacht Quest, to see if they would be interested in doing like an interview on our next podcast or an upcoming podcast devoted specifically to D&D Next. I know that you and I participated in one D&D Next playtest at their location. I think they're going to do more. So I thought it would be a chance for us to talk to them as well as the owner, Matthew, who's a long-term gamer talk about his history with the game as well as D&D Next and kind of segue into our discussion about D&D Next as well. What's D&D Next? Oh, you don't know what it is? No, no clue. That's strange. (laughs) I I really thought you would have known. (laughs) How would I know? I don't... Well, I wouldn't have known what it is probably unless you came to me and said, hey, they're doing a new... They're getting ready to do a new version because it's not like I follow any news or anything like that right, i guess i'm the weirdo in this group then we knew that before. well that's well, a given we knew that before okay <laughs> so anyways D next is basically like their trial version or trying they're they're trying to come up with the new what the new version is going to be right. like basically, fourth edition they're going well, so to play be, testing it's so, play uh, testing yeah, the exactly. new version okay. the, the the temporary name is D next Gotcha. And there's a basically a, a public playtest where you go onto the website and you can download the current rules that they have written, play in your home game, and then give them feedback on what worked, what didn't, what you liked, yeah. what you want to see they didn't have, what you didn't want to see they did have. And then every like four or six weeks, they release a new version. Okay, here's the new rules. Play these. What do you think? I gotcha. Here's the new rules. Play these. What do you think? Gotcha. So how many times have they done that? Uh, this, the third, well, the second and the third came out very, very close to each other because really the only difference was they added in the Sorcerer and the Warlock class as playable classes, but the rules themselves did not change between two and three, but they did change between one and two as far as the playtest packets that were But those out. have, they're not, those haven't been new classes. Those were just not in they the, weren't in the other original, version of correct. the D&D Next. Like when the D&D Next first rolled out, it just had the four base classes, Fighter, wizard uh cleric and rogue and then they released the second play test with updated rules same four classes and then like two days later they said okay here's the warlock and sorcerer class add them into your games long term i want to take our entire game that we're currently playing on mondays into fifth edition or DD next and do a like a long-term play test the problem is the monk the ranger and the hexblade are, are not, not included <laughs> oh my gosh so uh, three of the four cl- classes are not available well, and not i don't have wanna, the ranger that's well and i don't want to make well they're going to be like they, they're going to release a ranger they just haven't yet uh, well any just, any game any DD game played in somebody's home is some version of a homebrew game. Absolutely. Okay. 100% agree with that. So is do you think that there's a big fuss made about, um, well, we're playing 4th edition, and that character class isn't in this edition, so you can't play it? No, I don't think so. I, like with 3.5, if you wanted to come with a, a character class that doesn't exist. Isn't like, Warlord? Like, like, well, the Warlord. Like There is no such thing or as war, a warlord. warlord. We would find a way to make it work, but I understand the rules for 3.5 a lot better than I do the D&D Next rules. I, I would be basically making up whole cloth, the ranger class. I'd be making up whole cloth, the hex blade. So I have no idea if it would be if it would make anything near what, what they have in mind. So I don't want to do that yet. 
once they come out with something closer that I would be okay with sort of doing our own thing, but I don't want to do that yet. I think, I think it'd be just too much made up that, cause it's still a play test. There's going to be things that we play one night and go, that was broken. We cannot do that again. And I don't want to spend all that time on a class that we're making up that we're going to go, that's broken. And that's not really going to help them with their play test anyways. But what do you mean you're making it up? You can, I mean, you'd just be using the, um, all the character building. What do you call it? All the, you know, when you everything that it says in the player's handbook of how to build this character, you'd be using all the stuff that's just our, that's already written about it. It's not you wouldn't be making a new class. Well, I mean, the DM, you as the DM, wouldn't be making a new. We class. We would for D and D next, I mean, because they don't have a ranger yet. Like, well, so, is, it, is it structured like fourth edition or three point five or how it, is it structured? Because the, you can't make a character without having that structure. Like, well, the, the goal is to kind of. Be an acclamation of all the existing, kind of bring them all together. So the people who love 4th edition but think 3.5 is dumb and the people who love 3.5 think it's a little bit for everybody. Well, like, for instance, in the 4th edition, the ranger has specific abilities like Twin Fang or whatever. I forget the name of it. Yeah, but, like, you can't track. do that if you're making a monk because you have to have those specific right. no, it, things. So how would you make a monk? They're getting away from and, power sources for martial mm-hmm. characters, uh, so that won't be included. I think a lot of that will be based on the fighter, which they're working on first, because once they get the fighter correct, they will be able to go, okay, well, this is what a fighter does. This is a ranger. They're a little bit different. How do we how do we do that? So until the fighter's set, I don't think they could come out with a ranger class, which is probably why they haven't. But, I mean, I'm sure within the next three, four, five months, they will release a monk playable test, a ranger playable. Mm-hmm. Hexblade isn't really a standard 3.5. It, it's always from like the third party. So you probably will never get a hex blade, but yeah. we can, once we have enough of the other stuff, we can make up our own. Well, hex blade. I'm excited about it, but the thing is, is with 3.5, is the one thing it has over every system is customization. It's got like what 90 something books. I mean, you can make a character that is completely different every time you play, even if you play a game every week. Which every one? Game. What are you talking about? 3.5. Oh, okay. Um, but with the fourth edition and these new editions, you're kind of limited to what you can do, to the customization, and that's why I kind of fell in love with 3.5 and why it's probably always going to be my preferred. But we'll see. Yeah. I and mean, I, would, I would still like to do a D&D Next play test oh, of course, of course. outside of our game at some point again with the new rules, because I really like D&D Next. Like, there's I had a good time I don't with like, it. But, but there's, there's more I like about it than I don't. And I really mm-hmm. like the uh, the thought that my feedback could, in some way, help shape that game. Because as somebody's mm-hmm. played as long as I have, have been a DM as long as I have, and I mentioned this before, I, you become a hobbyist game designer. You tweak rules, you add in a rule, you do a homebrew. So I think I have ideas that would be valid that other people might want to play, which is part of I've never the understood the spanking rule in your game. Well, when you do, then we can talk about it. <laughs> Until then. All right, well, hopefully we'll get a good response from Yachtaquest and they'll want to do it and um, if we do it next week we ho- we'll we talk about D&D next with them right. next week we've probably that's two, probably be one of the topics that yeah, we talk we've about we've had two play with. tests and I've read through all the rules including the updated ones so I've got some thoughts and ideas I want to talk about as well and I think that just kind of goes together with interviewing them so the uh, one thing that we didn't get to that we wanted to get to out of last week's was um, something that was a topic that you brought, and it was I didn't. Yeah, you said it. You were like, "This is I want to talk about this," and I go, "Okay, I don't. I've never seen this. I've never right. heard of it. I don't know what it is, but we'll talk it, about it." It's the five minute workday. 
So explain what the five-minute okay. workday and is. I did some like thinking about this at, at work today, and I'm like, how can I explain this quickly? And there really wasn't a good way. So this is going to take a little while for you for it to make sense to you. You probably will pick up on it a little quicker. One of the things about <sighs> the... <laughs> <laughs> next. Next. Uh, next topic. topic. <laughs> All right. So one of the things about D&D Next that people on the forums and websites and, and such are talking about is they want to make sure that the five-minute workday is not a problem. And it is considered a problem in 3.5. And so what I mean by that is, let's say you're playing a fighter and you're playing a wizard. We'll say you're third level. So you probably got three or four first-level spells, two second-level spells. Mm-hmm. So we go into the first fight of the day. We're, we're at first dun- dungeon room number one. There's a bunch of kobolds, so you go all fightery, wade into the middle, start slashing your sword. You start casting spells. Fight goes well. All the kobolds are dead. You're out of spells now. So the way 3.5 is written, he does not get his spells back until he rests for a full eight hours. So if we decide mm-hmm. to go further into the dungeon, we go into room two, you're still just as effective as a fighter as you were in room one. He can't do shit as a wizard. Mm-hmm. He's basically crossbow, dagger, sling, quarterstaff. That's it. So what happens is people say, okay, well, I want to use all my spells. Well, that's the problem. And then, not to interrupt you, but the, that's but when you're did. playing a wizard. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Well, Sorry. Yeah, I'll, I'll this save is not my working out. <laughs> <laughs> so the thought, what people have started doing is, okay, we'll fight everything. I'll use all my spells, and then we'll rest for eight hours. And then we'll go into room number two, and we'll use all my spells. And then we'll rest for eight hours. So you get the five-minute workday. You have one battle. And then everybody stops and camps and sleeps for eight hours in game terms. So you could have like in a game world where the king or the duke says, hey, I need you to go into this dungeon and and bring back the eye of Argonoth. Okay. And then as players, you're in there for three, four weeks because you're resting between every room and every encounter. If you think about that in game terms, the duke would be like, well, they're fucked. They're dead. You know, and they would have hired somebody else to go in after you. But in playtime, it only takes an hour in the game. So people talk about game balance, that the wizards should be just as effective every fight as the fighter is every fight, or the game's unbalanced, which is where 4th edition came in, and they basically made every character a wizard, every character had powers, and they recharged in between each fight so that you didn't have that problem. Well, that, because you had dailies, and you had... Encounters, um, encounters and at-will and, powers. Oh, okay. So even once you used your daily, you still needed to rest a full eight hours, but you could still use your at-wills, so a wizard could still cast magic missile every turn, or they could use their encounter powers each fight. And from, from that standpoint, yes, 4th edition did solve that problem, but they did so by making every character a wizard, and everybody had powers, and I didn't think well, like Well, do that. you guys think that it should be fixed, or do you th- well, think that the two... Um, the the two different types of classes need to have that well, big distinction that, because I think they that's are what Jared was about they to are say. completely yeah, different and and I apologize for interrupting you earlier but what what oh, I was we were, trying we to say we were we were uh, we were not being serious about I know. that just yeah. jump, um, just but, jump in but um the the thing is is about that's kind of the risk you take is when you play a wizard because if you're going to have this your all your spells every battle then you you should just play a sorcerer that's kind of the give and take of being a wizard you've got to conserve you got to you know say well we're in a dungeon you know we may have other encounters i'm not just gonna you know I, you can have this great explosion of spells and you know and destroy everything but then you're done right and, and that's the counter argument and i'm yeah. more in line with you there yeah that when i play a wizard and probably spell not, for spell is a wizard more powerful than a sorcerer no 
uh, a wizard has so a then more, what would be the trade-off well they have more diversity exactly. they have a lot more spells they can plan and be more strategic mm-hmm. a sorcerer has fewer spells but they can cast them more often exactly so now you're playing a wizard you go through that first encounter you f- kind of figure out what this cave's all about you sleep for eight hours you can have a complete whole different set of spells when you wake up whereas the sorcerer's stuck with the same spells he right. put, picked from the beginning which may or may not be effective but so, even a sorcerer mm-hmm. still has a limited number of spells per day they just have more than a wizard so you could still use a sorcerer mm-hmm. as an example but the point being is that if a, you go into the first battle, the wizard or sorcerer just swings spells like crazy. Well, they can't do anything else until they rest for eight hours. So my thought is, again, to Jerry's point, is a wizard, that's, my, that's what I like about playing a wizard, is resource management. Do I use my spell now or do I wait? And to me, that's fun. But for other people mm-hmm. who just want to kill shit, they want to be able to co- do cool stuff every turn. If they're like, well, why am I playing a wizard if I'm using my crossbow all the time? which is a valid argument. So what they've done in, in D&D Next, as well as in 4th Edition, is that spells, or wizards and sorcerers, both still have at least one thing they can do every turn. Like in D&D Next, you have like a generic magical attack, which is equivalent to a crossbow, but at least you can say you're doing magic rather than using a crossbow. And in 4th Edition, you had at-will powers. But for me, if D&D was just a combat game, that's all you did was just you went to a room, you killed everything. Okay, I set up a new room, you go in and you kill everything. Then absolutely, yes, it should be more balanced, more like 4th edition. That way everybody gets to contribute. But it's not a combat simulation game. It's a role-playing game. So the same thing can be said for the rogue. Like if I play a rogue, I play that so that I can open traps and find secret doors and maybe be very charismatic and be kind of a you know con man. All that happens outside of combat. If I get to do all that cool stuff while the fighter just stands around polishing his sword, then why should I be just as good as fighting once the battle starts? And, and that's to me, that's the big argument about 4th edition, because I do like it, but I do also see flaws well, in it, is that it's balanced as a combat game, not as a role-playing game. Okay, well then that's something you would need to tell your group beforehand. You need to say, hey, this is going to be a heavily combat-based, and if you're going to play a wizard, make sure you know what the hell you're doing. Right. You know, build a combat-based wizard. You know, maybe have some light armor or something, even though you're going to have your arcane spell failure, but at least you're going to have some protection. Right. So overall, the reason I want to talk about it is that I don't think it's a problem, at least not the way I play the game. Because if I play as a wizard, I understand it's resource management. It's fun Mm -hmm. for me to not waste all my spells. And the D&D Next playtest you and I talked, we played together. I hid for like three rounds. Yeah. Remember, the ogre came out. I jumped in the snowbank and cowered in fear didn't do cast any spells for three rounds and i had a lot of fun doing that there are players that they're like well i want to be able to use my magic well okay that's that's fine but you need to play a different game fourth edition or a different role-playing game because i don't i don't think it has to be balanced for combat because you get to do all this other stuff outside of combat which to me is just as important and just as fun but i get that there is a second separate argument that people don't see like that so there are um two separate sets of rules between for that basically that argument between 3.5 and fourth edition where it do you see D next going in one direction well, or the other well D next kind of went with the hybrid where they they went back to spell slots at least for wizards though in the sorcerer and warlock they both use different systems but you still have an at will a couple actually a couple at will spells so even as a wizard in fourth or in D next you may have a sleep spell as your first level spell, but you still have a generic magic missile type. Yeah. Every round I can at least do something. But the other thing I want to talk about that quickly about the five minute workday is, is one of the kind of message board forum arguments is, well, as a DM, 
you just don't allow people to rest. You, you put time limits on the game. You know, for example, if I say, again, I'm the Duke, hey, my daughter's been kidnapped, you know, in three days she's going to be sacrificed, then it means only have three days to go there. So you can't stop and rest every night. Otherwise, okay, well, she's dead before you get there. Yeah, that is true. If you, if, as the DM, if you create a scenario that has a time constraint and you realistically stick to it, then, then it doesn't matter. Well, people but, who play that uh, class that needs that all that resting in order to be effective, yeah, they're well, just not going to be effective. You're, you're destroying. And, and my the way I think of it is, you're kind of destroying the game if you do that because the wizard knows he's going to get rest after the combat, so he can do whatever the hell he wants. But the thing is, is that if you've got it to where um, they don't know, they don't have that option, then they've got to think a little bit more, just like you were saying. So why? I mean why allow that that's kind of what i enjoy about playing it was right yeah, and like to said, me so. and, and i'm kind of in the middle which is also like my religious kind of views i'm or political i'm kind of in the middle of everything that i don't think every time you go on an adventure there should be a time limit so that you can't mm-hmm. rest but sometimes there should be and it should fit the story yeah. if, if the story is that the lady gets eaten by the dragon in three days you only have three days. But the PC should not be able to predict what's going to happen. Well, in that case, like, I mean, I, I think you know, it's okay they shouldn't to know say. They're going to know, they shouldn't know they're going to have rest after every combat because then you, 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 you just, the combat's not as taken well, as seriously as it, I guess well, you no, I would think, think. I think we're agreeing differently. Yeah. What I'm saying is, in certain situations, the, the, the story could be, I'm the Duke, you have three days to rescue my daughter, exactly. so you know. But if you're playing a different type of game or you know, same game, but like months later and the characters stumble upon a, a dungeon that they're like, oh, this is a cool dungeon, then they could take four months to explore it if they wanted to. And mm-hmm. I was a demon back, okay, if you want to go into a one room and rest, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. But you could get in a situation where, well, you're in a room and you take a rest, but then something wanders in from another room and your rest is interrupted. So it's mm-hmm. not guaranteed that you're going to get eight un- uninterrupted hours of sleep yeah, between battles. And that, to me, that's why it's not a problem, because a DM should modulate that. Sometimes it's okay to do it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not. And the players just have to react. To as it. long as the game is not like, all right, combat, okay, we're going to rest, and then we got to figure out what we're going to do for eight hours or resting or whatever. You know, who's doing watch? Okay, combat, all right, now we're going to rest. And then that's the whole campaign because that gets repetitive and boring. To me, that's boring, but there are people who, yeah. who play fourth edition as a tactical war game that that's what they want to do yeah. and more power to them, but that's not the way I, I like to play the game. guess it comes with knowing your group. Right. <clears throat> Which is the, the other thing we wanted to talk about today was mm-hmm. play styles and knowing how people play and what they like and that kind of thing but before we get to that i wanted to get to your topic because we're running a little low on time and i don't want to miss the thing that you wanted to talk about today but did you have something else you wanted to add about five minute workday if i say it it might spur another five minute conversation well, what I, we don't need to get what to i was gonna topic. i'm not what i was gonna it. say was for instance um in the game that i was that i ran there was there i don't think there ever felt like a time like a time constraint. Michael just broke his iPad. <laughs> I don't think that there ever felt like a time constraint. But when you got to the part of the story where you, you know, realized the problem or, you know, or what you were going to have to overcome, it was um, there could be like a bunch of monsters or a demon coming to attack the town that you live in um, and you need to do what you can to stop it. So there, in my mind... I just knew that I would have the the monsters come to attack the town when you got to this point in a story. Sort of like a video game where, you know, things happen based on where you're at. Like, it's not like the game just throws everything at you, regardless of how far along you are. Right. I 
you know, while you guys were out away from, I wasn't going to have the monsters come and attack the town while you guys were out off somewhere. So they're really, so I, what my point is like, did I fail in making it feel like there was that time constraint where like, all right, we have to, or did you guys feel like you could go off and journey and take however no, much, no, like I, long a time? And I think we discussed like the two different methods. Yours is like a third, which is kind of the hybrid because we, we weren't in combat. It wasn't mm. like we were fighting in the village and had to rest and days were passing. But, but while you but guys you were saying, well, bottom line, everybody has their own DM style. Right? I've never seen the same DM ever. But he, you kept so, saying like, you know, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It was more like an ominous build mm-hmm. that we were concerned about. So I think we all felt like, okay, we, you know, we, we put pressure on ourselves to get ready in a certain time frame without you saying you have three days, you have two days. I should have said a clock on the, <laughs> with a countdown. And that could have been fine as well. For me, the, the point is the DM controls the game. And if you're a DM that doesn't mind letting the characters spend eight hours sleeping between each battle, then that's fine. If you're a DM that thinks that's stupid and it breaks the story, that's fine. If you want to do something in the middle, that's fine. Which is to me why it's not a problem because the DM is going to manage it however they want. No. I guess if the as the DM, if you you don't have to say this isn't your this is how my game is going to go. But if they're like, uh, if they say okay, we're going to rest, and then they have a combat, and then they're going to rest, you can just keep inter- You can make sure that they're not right. able to rest because it's just not realistic. Right. You can keep sending something things in, or right. something keeps yeah, popping the up. The worst happening. thing you do as a DM is to control your PCs. You got to let them know that they're the ones who are in control, or at least let them feel like they have right. control yeah so every decision they make is their decision whatever happens is because of their decision you know like if they're attacked during camp you know yeah like they decided they to camp and they were attacked you know that's their you camp in the yeah. middle of a big giant dungeon yeah. you're probably going to get attacked if they want to stop the game and live in a town by the ocean mm-hmm. for the rest of their life then that they should be able to but do you know that. but those are the kind of scenarios that 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 create stories of you know and stuff like it's it's it takes the game outside of the mundane and boring right. but it I also makes it interesting there's there's opportunities to reward clever play if you're in a dungeon where resting after every battle doesn't make sense but the characters are able to create a situation that allows them to rest then let them like reward them maybe rather than going into the next room and killing what's there they go in the next room and bribe the ogre and say listen we need some rest here's 500 gold will you watch the mm-hmm. door for us that would be a sweet kind of role play situation allow mm-hmm. them to rest and then maybe but, that's the one time in that dungeon they get to rest rather than every time. To me, that's a lot more realistic. Here's more an, another way of looking at it is, like, let's say you're the fighter. Okay, well, we're resting after every combat. Uh, who does that benefit? The, you know, the wizard, the cleric. But if you're a fighter, you're like, why the hell are we resting every freaking after every battle? You, you little pussies, you know? Yeah, right. It's like, what the hell? We need to keep moving, you, little, you know? And, and that's the kind of role play that I would have as a fighter. I'd be like, why the hell are we... Yeah, don't waste you know. your spells when there's yeah. two goblins. I'll yeah. kill them. Yeah. And then when there's 37 goblins, then you Just do your stand thing. behind me, piss your pants, and let me take care of everything. Right. You, you know, and, and that's why it should be an organic experience, which is my new yeah. favorite word about D&D is organic. I say it all the time. But that's why I, I keep saying the three, the five-minute work day is not a problem because if it is a problem, it's you. You're the problem. The game master can design a game around it. You can design True, a plan yeah, around it. True, yeah, I see what you're it. saying. That's why I said before, it's not a problem. And if you think it's a problem, you're the problem. Because it's not a problem unless you let it be a problem. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we got that topic pretty well put to bed? I think so. Okay. So let's move into, well, Jared, you wanted to talk about... End of discussion. If, you, if you're listening and you ever thought about that, we just solved it and answered it for you. Yeah. So... Yay, us. <laughs> All right, so Jared, when we asked you to come tonight, um, and you 
kind of asked if you had any topics that you'd like to cover. The one that you mentioned specifically was campaign length. Mm-hmm. And as someone who's played a lot of D&D and DM'd a lot, I can say I've never really thought about that. For me, a campaign lasts as long as it lasts. So I want to see. Well, your, I'm, hear I'm your running take. into that situation right now in a current game. Um, this this person, uh, you know, out of respect for them, I won't say their name, but uh, Bob. You know, <laughs> well, let's just call him Bob. It's you, um, Michael. Bob <laughs> has been running this campaign every other week for the past year. Well, there's a group full of great DMs around him who could take turns and, you know, DMing or whatever. And uh, he's kind of hoarding the, I don't want to say spotlight, but, you know, the DM side. And I I think that, you know, as a group that's going to be playing for a year or more, you should have that rotation. Now, the the thing is, is like when you're planning your campaign, one one of the rules should be, how long do I want this to last? You can't just say, well, this is going to last... It could take a year or two years. How do you, you want to? You know? Do you want to jump back and forth between stories as you switch DMs, or do you want to let other DMs have the chance to continue the same story? That well, you're that's playing? up to the group. But I mean, the thing is, is that um, to have a single campaign for a year, and, it, and if it's working, that's fine. But you know, is that what the group wants? Do we want to, you know, make it base your story around a six-week period or something? You know, after six weeks. A main thing happens, and then that's a good stopping point, and then somebody else could take a turn. And like I said, that's something I've never really thought a lot about. You know, I've mentioned before, and to you guys I know, I want to be a writer. I do write stories, and Mm -hmm. I'm working on a novel. And so for me, when I start a campaign, usually there's this grand design behind it, and very rarely do the characters ever get to that point. I mean, most, most of my campaigns end with a character dying, which destroys my story because I always design games where you guys are saving the world, and if you die, then the world ends, so you move on. So I've never actually had a campaign that lasted so long that we were just like, I'm bored of this. So it's nothing that I've never really thought about, but as someone who reads a lot of stories and novels, I can see where sometimes a, a series of novels will go on way too long. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, that, that first book was really cool, they should have just stopped. Like, it, you know, the second story, they're like, oh, well, we kept going because it was popular. So it makes me think that I probably should do that as a DM is set an end goal in mind and have that story go to that point and then yeah. stop well, and say, this, this is a bad character. example, but it's like, you know, they had six Rockies in a row and then 10 years later they come out with another one or something. You know, how much more anticipate, you know, are you looking forward to the new one, you know, than you are rocky after rocky after rocky you know if they do one wait a few years do another and then you know do it that way i would have went with batman yeah or <laughs> batman i don't know i just know there's like 16 rockies Ooh, so yeah. i would have went with tremors <laughs> okay uh, tremors is awesome <laughs> or critters great um well there was something i was gonna well, say guess, something so you guys it, are but... both playing in my game right now which <laughs> oh i was just gonna say that i think i fall into like the category of the type of person that you're explaining there's three books next to my bed that I've read half of because I get bored with a story and then I just ordered a new book two days ago that's being delivered and I haven't finished the other ones up there and but I think as a player I don't don't want to speak up to like a group or a DM and say I'm bored with this but so I think that that brings up another problem is like you may have people coming to the game that are bored with it and they don't want to say anything about it. Right. And when does it get to that point where... When we discussed that before, I, I would hope that as players, you guys would just say, I'm not having fun anymore. 
and give the DM the chance well, to... I don't really Instead work. of it getting to that point, what I've found works is you do, like, say, maybe six or eight sessions, and at the end of that session, you leave the group hanging, like, wanting more. And then you go on to a new game, and then when they come back into their game, like, oh, shit, yeah, I want to know what's going to happen, you know, and they get reinterested into the campaign, and there is no, well, um, can we do something else? You know, you don't have to feel like right. a jackass. Well, and I don't necessarily think that, because one of the things I've said before is I've had characters that people have got bored playing. Like, you know, I don't want to quit the game we're in, but I've been playing this fighter for four or five levels, you know, mm -hmm. and I think I'm fightered out. Would you mind if I brought in mm -hmm. a wizard? But and as a DM, I'm, yeah, fine, that's fine. Well, that, that guy's going to fall off a cliff or, or run away. <laughs> so as a DM, you would be okay with running a story, but having a player come and, to you and say, um, I would like to... I'm getting tired of this character. I'd like to kill him in the story and start a new character. Yeah, absolutely. And, oh, and I would either kill him and make it dramatic, or we could just let him, you know, he doesn't have to get killed. Maybe he picks up, finds a wife and settles yeah. down, you know, and then that was leaves the opportunity that he could come back later in a dramatic moment as like an NPC or maybe even 10 years from now in game terms. Landfill too. He, right. He comes <laughs> back and now he's doing this. So I, I would rather you come to me and say, I don't, because if the players, or excuse me, if the character is what you're bored with, that's an easy fix. If the game mm -hmm. is what you're bored with, that opens up a whole other problem. Yeah. And Jerry said, there's ways around that, but maybe that's not the type of game a DM wants to play. They want to so, play this mm -hmm. epic world destroying thing where you can't. What's the it. longest same story campaign you've ever played? Well, I've ran a game for a year and a half, but it was an every other week thing. Did you feel like um, did you I got bored as a DM because um, I wanted to move from D&D &D to Star Wars. It was just a personal thing, and that's what we did. Um, but the thing is, is that, well, just furthering on your point there was like, um, you know, if you're playing in a game, and uh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> Too many uh, conversations. No one on speak here. until you get it back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The silence brought to you by Jared. Yeah. Well, the, I got kind of bored just DMing my game. Um, or I wouldn't say... Oh, actually, I, I don't know if I would say bored. I got to... I think I talked told you a few times where I got to the point where like I didn't want to DM. It probably wasn't because I was bored. It was probably because I was so nervous and afraid of DMing because it was my first time. Sorry. Um, that before the games, I went through like a. Uh, well, I think I'm coming down with something. <laughs> well, I'm talking about like the rotating DM style, and there's two ways to approach it. One, like Jared was talking about, where I DM for four or five months, we get the characters to a, a kind of a stopping point or a cliffhangery stopping point, and then someone else picks up another game, and we I, I play a character, you DM for a while, a completely different world, different campaign, different characters for four or five months, and then I start mm -hmm. my game back over, and it's sort of like a staccato. Uh, so, well, have you ever played in a game where you're like, man, I wish I was playing this character I played back in the past, you know, like where you'll play a character for so long and you get used to him, but then it's like, you know, I'm playing the same character. You go into another game, you're like, damn, I wish I was playing that guy, my other character right. in this game. So you just, you don't So it gets them re-interested in their character. Right. You don't let them you get back, bored. You, you change exactly. it too much. And then, so you could rotate DM where the DMs continue the same story, that keeps the DM from getting bored. I think in your version, keeps the players from getting bored. And maybe the DM, because if you switch out, you DM for four months, then you DM for four months, I DM for four months. That's our year. Then we reevaluate what we're doing. And yeah, we it's a lot easier to have a lot of cool shit happening in six weeks as opposed to a year. So, you know, year. It's so what about going back to a campaign that you left off a long time ago? 
How do you get, do you do anything special to get ready for that? Or do you, does everybody just show up with their old sheets and jump right well, back into it? Does it go smoothly changes. or the, the group changes when you wait a long period of time to restart a campaign. So there's, there's that issue. But the, the other thing is, is the characters that are still there, you know, they're, they know what's going on more than the other PCs, which helps the role play. So they're, you know, guiding the PCs like, well, this is what we need to do because I already know this. Now, in, in that situation, would you actually have it where in game terms, time has passed as well? Like, you know, you stop and then six months later, the characters are called back to arms or would it be like time out, freeze frame? Six months later in real world, but the I game think immediately starts back I up. think that's specifically dependent on where you were in the story yeah. like in my game you couldn't do that because you guys we stopped mid axe swing <laughs> we, we, like we when we back and when the we, destroyed we're all dead when we come back to my game it's like hitting play mm-hmm. on right. the and then they're going to have to remember what all their character can do like oh shit i'm a fighter yeah, but I we would yeah. but okay, we wouldn't have stopped yeah, your game in that method like like he's talking about where you run for four months you would have had a chance you know, either we all died. At the, in the yeah, when somebody stayed. says, let's make a change, you would have time to pl- plan you do, how we're going to do it. Don't say it was all a dream and you wake up because that's the I worst. Did, uh, I did that one. <laughs> <laughs> Every DM has always done that. It's the, and just, I just yeah. shake my head whenever they do it. it. Mine was kind of cool, <laughs> uh, but it didn't exactly work out the way I wanted. But uh, I won't get into that now. But it, it's a story. <laughs> oh, for it's all right. <laughs> but there was a, like a spell that was cast and they all thought it failed. And like we played for months and months and months, and eventually I went back and actually you all have been mind fucked by the spell the entire time, and you've been doing this other stuff like basically you've been slaves the whole time. So they got to go on from the point where they woke up like the Matrix, but all the stuff they did in the middle didn't actually happen. Well, that's a little. Different. How'd they feel about that? Some of them liked it. Some of them thought it was stupid. You'll always get that though. Yeah. All right. So what did you want to cover? Um, I wanted well, actually. I don't know if we put that to bed or not. <laughs> so, so I guess the thought would be is that it's a, it's a DM and player group discussion you should have when you start the game. Hey, I want to run a D&D campaign. Do you guys want to do like a continuous quest or do you want to do like, you know, like a three level four month type thing and just kind of get the group's decision and then do well, whatever. They what is do. the anticipation of the group? Is there other people who want to be a DM? Right. Um, is does anybody have anything prepared? I mean, it, but it also gives them time to prepare. Also, if they know in six weeks they're up, so and that's what I've talked to you um, about. Where like I like to rotate DM because I like to recharge my batteries. Mm-hmm. Where you know I love to DM, I, I enjoy it, but there are times where I'm like, you know, I, I, the game isn't fun, and I can tell that people aren't having fun. So I need to take a step back, let someone else run. I play. And usually while I'm playing, I'm thinking, wow, this is what I would do or this would be fun. So that when I come back to DM and I feel like I've recharged my batteries and it's going to be fun again. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm okay with people continuing my story because I think that's kind of fun to see what they do with it. But I also wouldn't mind doing a completely different, like even a different system. Like we play Star Wars for six months Mm -hmm. and then we go back to D&D. So it's a completely different experience. I think that would be weird because you are so into story writing. It would be weird to see you step away from a story that you started and be like, okay, you go ahead and take it where you want. But not if you plan it that way. If you plan it to where you're going to be walking away, then it's a little bit easier to cope with. That's true, yeah. But I'm okay with it because I think it's it's interesting as like an experimental type thing. I want to see what you would do with my characters or my story, like what direction you're taking. I think it would be kind of fun to see what other people would do. But like having like a guest writer on a TV show, like, you know, you're taking my my story and you're tweaking a little bit. I I think it would be interesting unless I completely screw it up. 
So uh, let that be the right. But you, you are can also take what everything everybody has done in those six weeks and incorporate it into your campaign, and that's how the world's changed based on what you've done. And you could write all that into it. True. Because you have that time. And but one thing is never give an NPC something that you don't want the characters to have, especially if you're rotating DMs. Oh, because they're going to try and kill the npc and get it or get it somehow well, and, well they're gonna get it somehow and and this is something i actually screwed up so it's my fault but we played in a game with the rotating dm up in cleveland and there was a group of female assassins i don't remember the whole story but they traveled around as if like they were i think in a circus like a bunch of performers but they were all assassins and the first time they were introduced the the, the npc had this just ridiculously powerful poison i mean just like off the charts poison and uh, there was one of them, and they got away. Well, later, someone else, that someone else being me, used those NPCs in the game, and there were a whole bunch of them, but they got defeated. But since I had used them and fit the story, all of them had like a quiver full of those magical poison arrows. So then all of a sudden, my characters in the game had like 47 ridiculously powerful poison arrows, and it like just broke the game because every time they got to a difficult situation, okay, I'll use one of the magic poison arrows, and like. Mm-hmm. Because based on how powerful it was the first time someone yeah. used it, I should have never given it to them. And it's just one of those things that you have to accept sometimes that it's going to happen that way. So I can only blame myself. Rich, I'm sorry I screwed up your story. And Rob, you're an asshole because you're the one that used them every time. <laughs> All right. Well, so the, uh, the, two, the two ideas for topics that I had in mind was um, one, which, and you can pick which one you want to talk about, but one was... Um, based off of something that we were talking about last week, which is we were talking about like role playing yourself in a game, mm-hmm. and one of the ideas was like, how much do you really role play another character in a game? Like, because no matter how hard you try and role play some a different personality or a different character, you're you're still always making decisions about things like what you would do in combat uh, based off of tactics. And that's you right. as, as the person well, sitting at the table. Do you table. want me to wait for the next question to comment or uh, the next the other <laughs> idea, My other idea was um, about, role, about building character sheets. And because the last time, so it was something that I was thinking about because uh, when Rob came, when Rob first started playing with us, uh, you wrote a character for him, and it was 18, 18, 18, 10, 10, 10. And it was, he was a fighter. And the and then when we did our game, uh, you wanted to try these new methods of... Um, the Matrix. Which the I Matrix. still love. Which you really liked. I really like it. I don't know whether I really liked it or not, but what I was going to say was, as a DM, what would... like? How do you think the right way to let your players like should you let your players just do their roles however they want because they might come to the table with an 18 18 18 10 10 10 and is that gonna bother you that you have this ridiculously awesome and incredible impossible character all right well a couple things i want to talk about and i'll let jared jump in as well for one for role playing because i consider myself a very role play favored player like i really try hard to role play my characters but you're right when i role play i don't necessarily mean become another person though i do like to have those details but i want to make the decision that makes sense for the story or for that person not always the best tactics so like for example in your game 
there was a situation where those little creatures were throwing the little bags that we've talked about. And my guy kept doing stuff around those bags. Like I tried to catch them. I tried to shoot them out yeah. of the air because that was cool for the story. Though it wasn't tactically so the best choice. Is it possible that because you weren't doing as much, you weren't adding to the combat and the damage to the uh, monsters as much as you could have been? And if you would have been doing it that way, maybe that scenario wouldn't have gone the way it did. I'm not sure exactly I understand what, but from my point mm-hmm. is like, if I had just like kept shooting the bad guys, they would have been more combat effective. The smart right. choice for me would be to shoot him with my bow and arrow. But for me, the better choice was I want to try to grab that out of the air. And it worked once and it was one of the coolest things ever. And I mm-hmm. still remember that. And I love it. So th- when I talk about role playing, that's really more me is okay. Mm-hmm. In this story, what would my character do? Not this is a combat. What's the most tactically advantage? But you just said. But you were just saying I was doing this because I love it, which is you, Michael, no, saying I, I love it. So I'm you saying. really weren't doing what your character would do. You were doing what you wanted to do well, no, because well, it was here, here's you were getting enjoyment um, out I, of it. I'm playing a game now where my bard is a coward who is obsessed with silver. Um, in every combat, he hides behind the big guy. And I don't know, I can't say what I would do in real life or if I'm a coward in real life, but it really, you, you, it puts you into that role play perspective. You're just like, okay, I wouldn't run up there and punch this guy because my guy is a coward, a coward. So you would have to role play that that way. You know, it's kind of, you wouldn't be role playing it from yourself because you have to always be a coward. Right. Yeah. So, so how? So do you enjoy? Like, is that fun? Even though oh, it's, it's not really effective. I mean, that's what role playing is all about: is just being. And that's kind of where the conflict is with your other topic was with playing yourself. Is like is the ability to play something that's completely different than yourself. I haven't tried to step that far away mm-hmm. from uh, myself, like role playing mm-hmm. before. And that's mm-hmm. very common for new players: is you mm-hmm. you kind of play yourself. Usually, you give yourself one or two little quirks or. Or something about your personality that you go with, but you don't really create another person. Next game, play a woman. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I think that is weird. I don't like, I, I, I just, I don't know. That's, that, that is, that is weird. Like, I don't, yeah. I, I mean, have it's not like no, I want to be a woman when I'm playing a woman. It's just fun. You know, that's all. That's not all the, that's not the, the look that I see in your eye. That's not what I think when <laughs> well, you're, then you're not when role you're playing. role playing a woman. <laughs> I want to just quickly back to my character in your game, though. Is I still would argue that the no, there's always bears around our camp when you're role playing a woman. <laughs> that uh, that I've role played him as if he's on this grand adventure. He's a young boy. He's like 14 years old in your game, and I started off in, in his mind. This is like like a fantasy. It's it's just an adventure and it's fun. And up until the point where Rob's character almost died, it was just like a joke to him. So him playing around with those bags made sense for the character. And now that Rob almost died, ever since then, I pretty much have stopped all that. And I've just been like, we have to kill stuff, you know, and and because in the game, well, a lot, I guess there hasn't been a big opportunity to see that yet because not the game hasn't progressed a long way far. since. Well, can I make a side then. point kind no. of? Um, uh, no, this is why I feel background stories are so crucial to campaigns like. When you make a background and filling out your character template that you made, you are forced to know everything about your character. So therefore, you know exactly what you're going to do in the majority of the situations. Right. And that's and that the purpose kind of, helps. of those templates exactly. to make you make choices um, that most people don't make. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm playing a fighter. Not really. You're playing a guy who is a fighter. Yeah. And that's the mindset that I'm trying to get across with my characters. W- w- explain what you mean. Like if you're playing D&D and you're like, okay, I'm going to play a fighter. 
then you're basically saying you're going to be a fighter. So when it comes to combat, you're a fighter. When it comes to role playing, you're a fighter. Rather than saying, okay, my name is Greg. I was the third child, and my father was captured, and he was taken into slavery. So that's so when why you I, say I it, became a fighter. I'm playing a character now who is a fighter. I'm not playing a fighter. So you're saying yeah. the, the your first example of a guy who says, I'm going to play a fighter, is he's basically saying, I'm going to play Evan as a fighter. Right. Yeah. If, just because you're a fighter doesn't mean you're an intimidating son of a bitch running in there with a sword, <laughs> kicking everybody's ass. I mean, the you sound can, you just heard was a microphone yeah. hitting the table. <laughs> um, you can play a fighter. Basically, what a fighter means is you've got a great uh, uh, attack bonus and you get tons of feats. So those feats could be, you know, anything you want. You, know, you could be an acrobatic fighter if you wanted to. I feel like a lounge singer holding this. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good look for you. You, you should do that more often. But but again, I completely agree. I, I think for mm-hmm. most people, especially new people, you do play a very very similar version of yourself in the game, which is why I like to do those character templates to try well, to force you not. The th- other side of it is that with the character, the, like, it, and I haven't had the opportunity to play a lot of characters. So for me, the first step in trying to do like a real role play, not just sit down at the table and basically do a combat simulation game, but act to try and do a real role play is playing the the character who like i who he because of his past he doesn't want to have anything to do with leadership in the party and um it's really hard and i think that it's interesting and kind of a good first step for me because it's hard for me to sit back and not say to the group what i think we should do do, right so but i sometimes i think that it can be frustrating to other players in the group because they might see it as why aren't you adding anything to this you know you could you give us some input could you give us your opinion so it's kind of this weird like i want to do a good job role playing him but i don't want to do it in a way where it makes the group not like what i'm doing two quick suggestions on that both both basically the same thing as one as evan you can say you know, you guys in character have been around me for a long time, and you know that I don't like to take a leadership role, but I will give my opinion a fast. And you can just talk as a as a carte blanche statement at the beginning of the game. Or if someone looks at you like, Evan, what do you think? And you could say, well, ask me in character. Okay, so I don't know what your character name is. It's Devin. Devin, what do you think? And then you can role play out. Well, you know, he, he doesn't seem to want to say anything, but because you're – don't have any direction he finally steps forward and, and says and so you can either do it metagame or you can do it in game whatever one you're more comfortable with but i want to touch on the other thing too before we go about the the dice and the stats okay so here's my thing it's a there's a bunch of standard ways to create characters you know you can roll 3d6 or 4d6 and reroll ones and put them in order or put them where you want whatever but there's also what the people call the array or standard array, and that's an optional method where you just get, okay, you got an 18, a 16, a 14, a 12, a 10, and an 8. You put them wherever you want them. And you do that for everybody in the party. all starts the same way. So the fighter can put the 18 in strength, and the ranger can put the 18 in dex, and the rogue can put the 18 in charisma or whatever. But you know everybody has the same scores. I hate that. I never, ever want to do that. I think it's terrible because I just – maybe it's the gambler in me because I do like to play poker – I think there's a chance I will roll all 18s. And I don't want to take that away from somebody. I want someone to someday to be like, God damn it, I got all 18s, let's mm. play. And you can't do that if you have a standard array. So I just, I, that's why I don't like that. But I don't particularly care what method you use. 
Like, I don't, it won't bother me if you came to the table with all 18s. I think I would assume you cheated unless I saw you roll them. But it's not really going to have that so big of a thing. So, in the, the past, because you've DM'd a lot, haven't you? So, in the mm-hmm. past, how have you, what, what method have you used the most? Okay, well, first of all, let me say something. Uh, as a DM, you've got to trust your PCs. And as a PC, you've got to trust your DM. There's got to be that. I, I think I've said that absolutely quote. not. <laughs> I've, I've said that <laughs> you, same you, quote. You, yeah, you have to believe that what the DM's rolling is what he's rolling, and what the PCs are rolling is what they're rolling. So now saying that, that well, is not true. Yeah, <laughs> well, mean, that's where you and I differ because I think I'm not going to roll a natural one and say natural twenty. You know, as a DM, that's just not. Well, I, no, think you have I do it the trust. other way. I'm more likely mm. to roll a natural twenty and go. I missed. If it's a story thing, if it's story based, that's that's yeah. you know DM. Fight or whatever I don't know whatever you want to call it or um, fiat but fiat whatever I think I you're I understand your point but I just think that you're that the words may, because y- you can't as a player sitting at the table you have to kind of realize that your DM is not going to be a hundred percent truthful with you all the time I, I I don't think that at all really I would I never ever lied on any role I've ever rolled and maybe unless it was like story like. Wow, this would be really cool. So you wouldn't change because why roll if you're just going to change what the roll is that for the benefit the of purpose. the for the benefit of the story. So then just then then you just say, it's well, like, this is what's going to happen. I'm just going to roll so the characters think that I'm no, but it's kind of like you're making you know, it too. And that I'm life, okay with. Where like if if you're watching a movie and they were using that method methodology, that's a word. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the right word. But that is a word. I'm going to th- add some more, throw in some more letters, but. Um, then, like halfway through the movie, one of the bullets that you know should have just, uh, you know, hit his arm, and he should have, you know, been able to suffer through it and fight through it and kill the rest of the bad guys for the sake of the movie and for the sake of the big scene and for the sake mm-hmm. of entertainment. In a re- if you were like try- doing everything, you know, by the book, that bolt he'd bleed out and He's he'd dead. die. So I'm saying, as a, well, from a DM's perspective, it's kind of the same thing. You change things and tweak things, and you lie, and you—I mean, you lie, you lie. There's no other way to say it. You lie for the sake of making the story and the game more entertaining and more fun right. for the. Ninety-nine point nine percent of the time, if I cheat as a DM, it's to make the story better and to help the PCs. Yeah, I'm not it, cheating because it's like my monsters against the PCs, right. and I want to win. No, well, why so don't, crit. Why don't you crit. give an example of when you treated, cheated? Because I, I I agree with you, but I, I don't completely understand exactly what you mean by cheating. Okay, okay so cheating I roll, is, you know, like, I hit you with a power. And I roll the damage, and it's 37 points of damage. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, Jared's dead. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Jared should die here. Maybe the reason that you're in that position is you were being heroic, and you stood over his body. So now you're fighting the ogre by yourself. So I might say, okay, the ogre does 12 points of damage. Still a lot. Mm-hmm. You're still really hurt. But I'm not just going to freaking kill you with one hit because you were trying to do something cool. And what kind of story is that is I'll stand over the person who's almost dead, and then now I'm dead. And then he dies too. Game over. That's when I cheat. It's a fantasy. So, but basically, if I'm in one of your games, I could say I could do something cool and know that I'm not going to die. Not all the time. No, it's still a whim. Sometimes. So then, where do you determine whether it's if it fits the moment and the story? I mean, if I do something badass and it's just awesome, you know, and that's kind of why you have hero points too to help you with the rolls. Um, If you just epically fail on something, then. You epically well, fail. Even the most trained fighter, but is sometimes epically mess failing up. is some of the coolest things that usually happen because someone failed. <laughs> so I'm not saying I cheat every roll and I'm just randomly mm. deciding things. But sometimes if a, if a one roll, this swing of luck is going to 
change the story dramatically, I'll fudge it one way or the other. Rob, in our last game, tried to leap a river and then, like, come down and, like, kill an ogre. He tried to do something impossible. Mm-hmm. He missed, and then the next roll, the ogre critted and, kill, and locked him unconscious. So he tried to do this really heroic thing, and I was hoping he would succeed. I didn't change anything to make sure that it allowed him to do it for the mm-hmm. sake of the story. Because at the same time, the fact that he epically failed also really added something to the story because it completely changed the battlefield. Right. So what did you do to, quote-unquote, cheat? In the, I don't know if I can tell you a, like a specific example. I would say probably... Um, like, it's uh, usually how much damage you roll damage, and you're like, ah, they're dead. So the old instead of being twelve, maybe it's four. also or, maybe an attack roll from one of my from one of my monsters. Either you know, like I roll an eighteen, but I know that just this battle is getting way too out of control, mm-hmm. way too quickly, and I just feel mm-hmm. I may be right, I may be wrong, but I just feel. Like, this could go really bad. Well, that's where if, so if the PC's going to die instead of rolling and potentially killing him, I would put, like, maybe a contingency plan or something together where where it would be, like, something happens. An event happens to distract the monsters or something so that he could get up and get away instead of just saying, oh, I rolled, but but would have killed you. But well, does it, would it make any you. difference if, as the player, you're in the dark and you never know? Right. Well, you're always not going to know, as a player, you know, what right. what's happening. But... You know, the thing, it just comes to a... Do we need to... Keep going. Oh. Um, it just comes as a player. It's it just like you need to feel like whatever... Like when, when a DM rolls a natural 20, you know he rolls a natural 20. He's like, oh, natural 20. You know? and, but when, he's, when he rolls a natural 20, he's like, oh, it's a natural one. You know, it's, you, you can tell. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Mm. And I, even from the first time... And that's what the die are there for. From the first time I sat down behind the DM screen, I wasn't... I, even without anybody telling me how to handle certain situations, I didn't have the mindset that I was going to stick to the book with every dice roll no, and no, every the books number. No, are just a guideline. And, well, even with like the rolls of the dice and every number, like I don't know why, but I just never thought yeah. that. My mindset sitting down behind the screen was my goal here is to make this um, as fun and a fun story and mm-hmm. adventure for the players as possible. So if that means me helping them get out of a little bit of trouble, um, even though they won't know mm-hmm. that I did it, but if it means me kind of cheat, uh, fudging eventually some numbers, they'll start picking up on that. Hey, when I play in Evans' campaigns, I don't ever die. Well, you know? the, no, because no, if they, they still did, die, and yeah, also yeah. I think the same thing can be said for your games. It's like, well, I know every time I'm unconscious, the NPC is going to show up and save well, me. But not, just, here's a good example. That was okay. just one example. Rob, when that ogre hit Rob, he critted, mm-hmm. and Rob fell unconscious, and he fell in mm-hmm. a river. Okay, mm-hmm. Rob, they had to stop fighting. And they had to try and save Rob. They had to jump in a river and try and get Rob out of there. Now, I didn't want them to die. I didn't want Rob to die, and I didn't want them to die because that decision that they made. Mm -hmm. If they would have done something ridiculous like, oh, Rob will be fine. Like, they're expecting that I'm going to let them. If they showed me that they were. But then they're metagaming. But if they showed me that they were expecting that I would let everything be okay, like, oh, Rob will be okay. Just Mm -hmm. let him float down the river. We're going to continue to. Fight, fight the these monsters. Then I would have gone, 
Okay, no. Now yeah, he's dead. Now yeah. you're dead. Right. Like, I'm gonna. Mm-hmm. I'm so, gonna. If I roll and he's dead, he's. he's or maybe dead. just like say, hey, roll percentage, you know. And if they make the percentage higher or whatever, and you know, maybe he reacts and he covers the wound and he's able to get on his feet and get away from you know, or I don't know. I mean, there's. There's. Uh, you were suggesting. I just a like the the chance of the rolls. I don't like it when the rolls don't mean anything. That's, I wanna, That's my only thing. I want to wrap it up, but you were suggesting something there that I think we should talk about again which that i that probably due to lack of experience i don't think Mm -hmm. of because due to lack of experience the easiest thing for me to do is just fudge the number and lie Mm -hmm. but if i had more experience and i was smarter on my feet what you said was well instead of doing that well Mm -hmm. you could create a distraction in the middle of the battle so that the monster i've just been in too many games that dm's like you're paralyzed and there's no role nothing it's like you're paralyzed that's probably i think you're thinking that's tone yeah, well, not to mention names. No, but. no I've, I've mentioned Tony before. He's terrible. Anyway, um, but I think you're thinking of cheating against the players, and we're talking about cheating for the players. And either way, I mean, there's something to be said for being a DM who just the roles are the roles. Mm-hmm. But then you have to question: Did you a make roll the counter? Did you make the counter too tough? You know, toll if, is you, a toll. if you don't know how to set an encounter properly, then the roles could be mm-hmm. just terrible. So for me, the sake of the story overrides the legitimacy of all the roles. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I got to go. You guys are welcome to keep talking if you need mm-hmm. to. But I've We're going to wrap it up. So, uh, but I do want to hit role-playing yourself mm-hmm. a little bit more, and I do want to hit die-rolling characters. Like I think, I guess we'll just cover it next time Yeah, because I think there's stuff to cover there. So, all, right. all right. All right, well, thanks well, for listening. This has been Michael. And Evan. Jared. Yeah! <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs>